quickly before we jump into today's video guys a bit of an apology unfortunately Jamie decided he would record with the wrong microphone ready for this one so I apologize in advance for his slightly less uh, than great audio throughout the entirety of the podcast but as always though a thank you for the continued support on this series so far again we're still just having a bit of fun with it in the early days as we're trying to look to sort of find our own niche uh, within sort of like the podcast genre if you will but yeah hopefully you guys do want to enjoy make sure you leave a like get yourself subscribed as well and yeah let's dive into the podcast Hello everyone and welcome back guys to episode 3 of Jamie and I's The Unnamed F1 Podcast. Yep, we're still rolling with that name unless of course the FOM decide to copyright strike us again. I'll talk about that at some point over the course of today's video. But yeah, we're back though. This week of course is ready for the Italian, well not the Italian Grand Prix, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix isn't it? I'm probably going to butcher yeah. that name all something week like long in videos. It, it's something along those lines. But yeah, uh, obviously we didn't make a podcast last week. Uh, we've sort of just decided to wrap up everything. Nothing really happened. That's nothing that was worth sort of talking about particularly um, happened over the course of the sort of two-week break. But condensed between the pair of them, there's probably enough to discuss. Uh, so today, yeah, we're going to sort of do a bit of a podcast looking towards the Italian, or the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. I'm going to keep calling it the Italian Grand Prix. I'm probably better off calling it San Marino. You call it Imola. Call it Imola, but we'll call it... We'll, we'll, it'll change names throughout the podcast, I would have thought. There's no way we're going to maintain any sort of consistency with it over the course of today. But obviously, down in the comments below, of course, will be the timestamps uh, for the video. Obviously, so if you guys do want to skip to a certain part, then obviously make sure you click on that down below. But yeah, Jamie, ready for the Imola Grand Prix this weekend. How are you feeling? How have you been? Uh, I've been pretty good. Pretty excited for this race. I have slightly low expectations um, based on the the track and how narrow it is and difficult to pass um but it should like i think this season the thing we're excited about is the title um, and yeah, it appears that there's going to be a big fight hopefully that isn't just a massive tease for us again um so if it's a bad race but makes the title more interesting i think we can accept that every now and then but obviously it could be a good race anyway we saw a decent race last year but that was sort of helped by bottas getting mad damage and the safety car at the end but We'll see. Hopefully it's a good one, but I don't expect a Bahrain-level race again. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, I don't know. I think Bahrain is sort of almost underappreciated nowadays, isn't it, for how often it gives good races from mm. a lot of people. A lot of people just remember it as a Tilkadrome and therefore just assume it's awful. And actually, Bahrain's probably now, I'd say, his best track still on the calendar? Arguably. There's a couple up there. But China, um, not China. Bahrain probably is the best one. I yeah. used to put Malaysia higher, but Malaysia's obviously gone. Yeah, but. Malaysia is no more, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, so obviously we'll do some proper Italian or Imola GP predictions towards the end of the video. Count how many times I'm going to get that wrong. It's going to be horrendous <laughs> over the course of today. But yeah, we've also got face cams, as you can tell. Oh, yeah. uh, that's, that was another reason why we decided to wait, so we could get this all sorted properly. And yeah, hello. We, we both have faces now, and there's, there's people attached to the logos uh, that were once a thing. On this series. Now, the first major news then, obviously, we got after the Bahrain Grand Prix, uh, was of course Australia. Was meant to be the first race of the season. Now there's some changes coming to the track. We've both got a picture ready uh, to have a look at over the course of today. We'll make sure I'll leave a link to the F1 article down in the comments below as well. Uh, but yeah, some major changes coming to Albert Park, Jamie. What are your thoughts? I think, to be honest, it needs a bigger overhaul than it's getting, but. Hopefully it will be good anyway. I think there's they're obviously trying to take the right steps with it because we've seen the last few years it's not been a very good race. And I think people will notice that even more so now that it's late in the season because I think 
quite often F1 fans are just happy to have it back at all. So like we don't care if it's a good race or not. But when it's I think the third last race this season, there'll yeah. be there'll be a plenty of people like realizing just how bad the racing is. So oh. it's good that there's been changes. Um and it should be it should make things a bit better. Hopefully there'll be some overtakes into turn eleven now, the left right chicane. I'd be surprised if anyone's brave enough, but we saw back in the day quite a few people would try it there. I remember twenty ten um Hamilton and Rosberg had a pretty good fight through that complex, which is obviously a long time ago now. But if that can that sort of thing can come back with the massive slipstream from like turn four to turn eleven, um who knows, could could make it a good race. Yeah, now, we, we have differing views on Albert Park, I think it's fair to say. I always think Albert Park's a brilliant track anyway. I've always sort of loved it, and I guess there's probably an element of that that comes <coughs> from, obviously, being the first race of the season. But generally, I think it's probably produced better racing than you want to give it credit for, at least more dramatic racing. But then again, some of that obviously comes from the nature of being the first race of the season. Nobody's often quite sure uh, what to expect. I'll be honest, having a look at the picture now... Makes me realise just how many changes they're making. Now, obviously, we'll do a bit of a run around the circuit then. Obviously, turn one, uh, the widening of the corner by two and a half metres. If anything, in my eyes, that probably makes it a slightly worse circuit because the great thing was about turn one was obviously it was really difficult to get right. Obviously, that's where you could see moves. Obviously, someone makes a mistake through turn one, someone gets a big run down out of two into three. Your thoughts? Yeah, pretty similar. It would make it, would make it less likely for a turn one crash on lap one. So that's obviously a bad thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. But um, yeah, then coming out to turn three as well, it says they make it a slightly less heavy braking zone. Looks like, which I'm not quite sure what the point of that is, because yeah, turn I three mean, was still a one of the heavy braking zone, isn't it? Yeah, but it looks like it's slightly less sharp. If you get what I mean? The, the yes. apex is going to be more to the right, so maybe it'll make overtaking even more difficult. Because turn three was one of the very few places of overtake was actually viable. Um, but I'm sure they'll lengthen the DRS to try and make it more um, they try and balance out the changes there. Yeah, so obviously turn 4, turn 5, all the same. Turn 6 again is another one. Uh, it's widened by 7.5 metres. That mm. is quite ridiculous. So Pretty I mean, much yeah, gets rid of the corner. Yeah, it basically just, rather than turn 6 being a proper corner now, it's just more of a kink that sort of just leads through turn 8. Then of course I think arguably the biggest change then is the removal of the chicane mm. of turn nine turn 10 now it basically now follows just the normal road normally turn nine is actually like a little car park around albert park as, as i have been as you would know yeah. i would yeah <laughs> i went around there in a nissan primera with about 80 horsepower it was generally i think one of the worst cars i've ever been in in my entire life uh, but yeah i think that's probably one of the m biggest changes then on the lap now you think you you're right i'm right in saying you think that's a good thing oh definitely i think I don't remember anyone, like, ever really going for anything into turn nine. Um, it has happened. I think Rosberg, I seem to remember, got over. I think it was Rosberg, yeah. It was 2012, his last one I can remember, like, on lap one. I think that was Alonso and Rosberg, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, that's literally almost a decade ago now, which is quite worrying. Yeah. Um, it's just such a nothing corner, like, it's but very simple. You used to get, back in the day, you would find people would sometimes make mistakes through turn nine and then ruin their run out of turn, obviously through turn 10 and then out onto the back straight. Or you'd also find every once in a while people would wallop the wall on the exit of turn 10 as well. Mm. That's true. I remember Bottas did that in the Williams one of the years. Yes, yeah, 2014 I think it yeah. must have been. But again, we're speaking seven years ago, so it's not exactly a, a regular occurrence. I don't know. It's, it's such a simple corner. 
and turn tens obviously are nothing corner really with the downforce they've got now. Um, so I think it's never really been a no. It's not really, especially with how low speed it's been. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's a good thing. It will give people a much bigger chance of a six stream. We were talking before, effectively from turn three until the chicane at turn eleven, it's going to be pretty much fully flat out. Which is yeah, which is going to be insane it. <laughs> when it's a street track and they're going to be going close to top speed, like two hundred and ten down towards turn eleven, which is going to be ridiculous and could could lead to some pretty incredible overtakes if people are willing to brave it out through turn eleven and twelve, but. We'll see. I think it's a good thing getting rid of the chicane, to be perfectly honest. But Yeah, and I think this is, again, obviously we'll talk about the last couple of changes. And again, turn 13 is quite a big change as well. I think they're really trying to set that up now to be a proper overtaking zone. You could sometimes, you would see overtakes sometimes. Obviously, if someone made a mistake out of turn 12 or someone got a big enough run down towards turn 13. But now they've sort of properly sharpened it up into a 90 degree corner. We should hopefully see more overtaking there as well. I'd be surprised. I feel a bit pessimistic going through this track, but we just see the amount of wash of dirty air that someone's going to get through turn 11 and 12 is going to make it basically impossible to be close enough into 13. Yeah. Um, but you never know. If someone is like way quicker than the car ahead, maybe they brave it out into 13. But we often see them just wait three more corners and go through it into one or three. So. Mm, yeah, that's a fair point as well. Then 15 and 60, I mean, 15's had a widening of the corner by three and a half metres. I can't really see that changing a whole amount, I'll be not honest. Not at all. <laughs> no one's going to send it, are they? No, not, no, not particularly into turn 15. Uh, but yeah, overall then, it looks like they're making some interesting changes to the circuit. I think this year, obviously, it might be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, because obviously, no one will really quite know what setup choices to go with, particularly. I think a lot of people will sort of be a little bit worried as to what to expect because Australia was always quite a low downfall circuit <coughs> anyway, but now it's basically just Bahrain outer. Pretty much, like you think about it, there's a breaking zone into one, which three. is made easier, which yeah. again is made easier. And then turn I mean, eleven is going to be a short breaking zone. It would never much of a breaking. I mean, no. it was really more just a downshift, wasn't it? Really? But it might be. It might be a bit of a proper one now. They're going to be going like two hundred miles an hour up to there. Um, they were pretty then, close anyway. Yeah, I suppose. And then 13 is obviously a quite a big one, and then 15. So it's only really like there's five, big... pro five proper corners, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. Yeah, there's, what, four proper braking zones now. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is... is mad, really. Yeah. I mean, again, it'll be one of those tracks, isn't it, where you'll sort of look at it, we'll say all this now, and actually it will somehow just be a banger now, <laughs> and there'll just be great battles every year, and Albert Park will live so. on. Yeah, I mean, of course we <laughs> hope so. But yeah, I think... Quietly pessimistic, I think, is the, I think the way we're both describing it for completely different reasons. Me because yeah. I like the original, you because you just don't think Albert Park works. I think it'll be better than it was, definitely, but I don't know fair how much enough. better. Yeah, fair enough. That I mean, we've got to wait till November <coughs> the 18th to find that out, so that's another seven months, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems kind of mad when you think about it. Um, but yeah, there we go then. That is Albert Park. Uh, all, all change. We'll wait and see. As to how things go with that. Then we move on to some sort of slightly smaller news sort of pieces that we've seen coming out over the last couple of weeks. First of all is Hass's big 2022 gamble. Now, obviously, we spoke about that in the Bahrain GP podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago. Now, obviously, for those of you guys that aren't sort of aware, I mean, it's been pretty obvious for quite a while now. Uh, but I think Hass sort of finally did fully confirm it. Uh, was the fact, obviously, that this year there's not going to be any upgrades to come into the car at all. And that the gamble is all set up for 2022 now. Now, it's an interesting strategy. 
is it potentially going to pay off though, Jamie? What are you, what are your early thoughts? If I'm brutally honest, it looks like Haas are the sort of team that are trying to find a way out um, of F1, which maybe I'm being too harsh, but to completely write off a year when even before the first race is just it's such a, a negative mentality. But you know they they accepted that this car is absolute trash, which it clearly is. And however much money they throw at it is just going to leave them a step further back for the following year because they've got no money left. So I can see why they've done it, but it's a bit of a shame when you've got two rookies trying to prove their worth and they're basically almost in a different class because the car's so bad. So And so unstable. Yeah, it's, it looks impossible to drive. Like We saw so many spins for both of them over the Bahrain weekend. So yeah, I'm, I'm really not confident for them at all, but I'm sure they're not confident either. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You've got to feel for Gene Haas. I mean, he put so much money into this in the mm. first couple of years. Obviously, had, what was it, fifth place in 2018 in the end? Yeah. In the Constructors' Championship. They really looked like a solid midfield team. And then just since then, they've sort of just slowly gone further and further backwards. I think and... they've suffered by um, by copying Ferrari because Ferrari went slowly backwards since then as well. Yes, so. that's also true, isn't it? Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna copy anyone, don't let it be Ferrari. <laughs> I mean, but then again, you say that you can't really copy Merck because Aston are already doing that, and you can't really copy Red Bull because then you're Alpha Tauri. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, who, who else do they copy? McLaren. Is, is well, that worth the gamble? <laughs> probably not in 2018, really. <laughs> no, not in 20. No, you can't look back at like 2016 and 17 and think, yes, what a car to copy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's say then, hypothetically, I feel like this is going to be one of those things where we'll look back in 10 years and go, that decision was what killed Haas, or that decision was what made Haas a potential world championship winning team. Oh, come on, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're not spinning that one. <laughs> I I don't know. I, it reminds me of um, when BMW, Sauber, um, they just won the Canadian Grand Prix 2008. Yes. Kibitza led the championship. I think they led the constructors as well. No. Oh, did they not? It was close. No, Ferrari was anyway. still on top. And then, uh, uh, like, a couple of days later, they were like, right, all focused on 2009. We'll bin off this car. Like, Haas have got even, like, obviously less to lose than BMW did. But yes, yeah. I think the year after BMW then pulled out because it didn't work. So... Yeah, that was helped, obviously, by the financial crisis as well. Yeah. It didn't help them. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, that genuinely is quite a good thought there, I'll be honest. Um... Yeah, it, I could very easily see it sort of going down that route. If Haas get the 22 regs wrong and they aren't sort of like backup sort of fifth, sixth best or at least showing the signs that they can At do. least they want to fight, I think. Is the yeah, main I, thing. Think, I think Gene's going to pull the plug, surely. Yeah. I do, I've never as well sort of like, obviously I know you get a distorted view of Formula 1 through Drive to Survive and things like that, but Gene Haas has never seemed as interested in Formula 1 as I'd sort of like him to be as well. Hmm. I mean, he's got such a big NASCAR operation, obviously, over in the US. I don't think he does IndyCar. I'm pretty certain he doesn't do IndyCar, actually, saying that. I know he's got some strong ties uh, with a couple of the teams. But no, he, he doesn't do IndyCar. And it just makes you wonder whether he's really got that big an interest in it anymore. Yeah, whether I'm not perhaps sure. Perhaps he <laughs> underestimated how difficult it would be or just doesn't want to pump this sort of money into it anymore. Again, it depends on a lot of things, doesn't it? I think if you can really sort of captivate the US market and you could get a lot more people behind them, they'd stand a much bigger chance and maybe consider it a bit more. But yeah, I, I think we're both sort of, again, in agreement that maybe this is where we start to see Haas go towards the way Marussia, HRT and Manor did, or uh, Caterham even. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they had the next team to go. Yeah. So here we go then. 2024, are Haas still on the grid? 
No. James <laughs> Gilman, no. Fair enough. Ah, I don't know. Uh, I I really want to say yes. I, I'm going to say yes, actually. I, I have faith in Gene and Is Gilbert. that because they follow you on Twitter and you don't want to lose it? It, it might be because... Obviously, the they're watching. Me on Twitter. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Again, to be honest, for me, I'd really consider dropping good for Steiner. And now, I know a lot of people love him because he swears on... Yeah, it's like such F1 a, a non-personality, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, I mean, you look... I'll be honest, for me, it's just his management style. Like, you look at the way Toto Wolf handles things, <coughs> and then, like, the problem is with Gunther Steiner is he does all this swearing and stuff, but on the other hand, you don't, like, I always just think, like, if he was having this sort of go at me, you'd take it seriously in just that pure aggression, but it wouldn't really change a lot. No. It seems like if, I don't know, if it wasn't, we had this sort of thing at Williams, didn't we? If, if it wasn't Claire Williams, would they have gone a long time ago? If it, if it wasn't Gunther Steiner and everyone didn't love him for Drive to Survive, would he have gone, would he have gone already? Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, he was at Jaguar, was they fell off the face of the earth, wasn't he as well? Yeah. So perhaps, perhaps old old Gunther is what's costing Haas. Yeah, compared that's, to that's someone like Fred Vasseur. Yeah, exactly. Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is not really that's such a podcast. niche reference. No <laughs> exactly. one's getting that. That's not podcast worthy, <laughs> is it? <laughs> anyway, uh, talking about Haas, though, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of stray slightly away from Haas. I think sort of one of the other talking points uh, from the last week, of course, was actually Lando Norris again getting himself getting himself in the spotlight a bit more. This one though, for a bit more understandable circumstances. Now, I I guess it was. I mean, everything we talk about Nikita Mazepin this year is going to be difficult, isn't it? Because on the one hand, if you sympathise him, some people just think you are the same as him. Uh, that. <laughs> We're just getting down a rabbit hole. On the other hand, if you give him too much stick, sometimes I think it's a little bit unfair. And this is sort of what Lando pointed out, wasn't it, after Bahrain? Mm. Obviously, he was streaming on Twitch. He was, I think, it was he was was he watching the meme review or was he watching the? Race no, he review? was watching the actual review this time. Yeah, he was watching an actual review, and obviously we saw Mazepin yeah. bin it, and obviously all his Twitch back, uh, Twitch chat went wild. I was going, ha ha, me spin and all like, this. Spamming cloud emojis, Mazda yeah. spin, just yeah. everything all that's that. really not funny at all. But. Exactly. Then obviously you see Pierre Gasly ram into the back of Ricardo, and obviously you see Mick Schumacher in the background, and obviously Lando pauses the video, and obviously then just absolutely rails in his chat going, is everyone going to give him stick as well because he did yeah. the same thing? It was and, literally the same thing, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, and um, This yeah. is sort of what we spoke about last time, wasn't it? The fact that Again, it wasn't great from Mazepin lap one, but Schumacher basically did the same thing on the restart. Mm. Well, you think about it, it took, how quickly did the safety car come out on lap one? Was it was it generally before turn four? Oh, it must have been uh, close. It must, no, it must. Yeah, it was around then, wasn't it? it might so, have like been five. Mick Schumacher effectively did three three more corners than Mazepin did without spinning. That's worrying, isn't it? Yeah, when you yeah. think about that, <laughs> like yeah. obviously they're both rookies. Place as well. They're both rookies and. It's their first race ever in F1, and they're both driving an absolute boat. Not even though yeah. boats are way more stable than the Haas looked. They're driving it like a horse, and it's like impossible. A horse is your idea of an unstable thing, is it? Well, what, what would you say is unstable, Matt? I'm trying to think. Um, my brain. Oh, Wait, oh okay. <laughs> I was worried then for a second. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to know where you were going with it. Um, but yeah, no. I think, yeah, again, we, we sort of touched upon this last week, didn't we? We sort of said the same sort of things as Lando did in that, again, it, I, we completely understand why people don't like Mazepin. On the other hand, Schumacher basically did the same thing. Yeah, it's such double standards. 
exactly. But, and I, I think Lando, <laughs> do you, I think Lando was right to point it out. I know, obviously, he got a bit of stick from some people, but I was genuinely quite surprised at how sort of quickly that went away as well. I thought that was going to stick in people's minds rent free for the yeah, rest of the probably. year that he was some sort of Mazepin sympathizer. Yeah, I'm sure I can't think conversation again when he's probably. watching future reviews and everyone every time Mazepin does anything the chat just fills up with count emojis yeah, yeah. and he has to we'll, we'll he has to, to calm him down a bit yeah <laughs> so anyway on to sort of like the final piece of news from uh, the barring Grand Prix heading into Imola Mercedes obviously there's been a lot of talks over the last couple of weeks can they get rid of these issues in the car and things like that uh, they have confirmed they cannot go high rake. Obviously, for those of you guys that don't know what high rake is, it's basically how much forward facing the front of the car is in comparison to the rear of the car. Obviously, therefore, creates a bigger surface area at the front and also obviously means you've got more potential sort of breaking into the corners and things like that. Now... You can close Wikipedia now, Matt. I'm not on Wikipedia. <laughs> so that's, that's genuinely just like what I know about it anyway. It sort of like makes sense. when When you think about it, it's one of those weird things where it sort of makes sense over time. And it sort of begs the question, I think, for a lot of people going, oh, well, why doesn't everyone just run their cars, like, at a 45-degree angle uh, to <laughs> yeah. the road? Obviously, not not great down the straights. Uh, that could be easily admitted. But, yeah, Mercedes have come out and said they cannot go high rate this year. Now, everyone sort of followed it on from Red Bull uh, back in 2017, 2018. And Mercedes kind of never really did it particularly. And then, sort of, last year, we noticed it a bit more with the car. Uh, had a little bit more rake on it as well. But, yeah, Mercedes said... Even if, like, in some theoretical world where they could go high rake, that is not where the issues lie as well. Now, obviously, Mercedes are a team with a huge budget. We both know that. Do you think these issues are going to be problem throughout the rest of the season, or are we just going to find them very quickly, sort of work out setup tweaks and stuff that get around it? I think they're well prepared enough to get around it. We've seen them have this long wheelbase, low rake car for years because they just find it more stable, I think. They must yeah, have, they must have a very good reason. consistent aerodynamics for them mm. anyway. They must have a big reason to stick with it because obviously they weren't really under pressure until this year. So they could have done whatever they wanted and they chose to stick with it. So, yeah, potentially, and it will obviously favour, there'll be some tracks where having a low rake is a massive advantage. Um, so it'll, it'll be like one of the talking points throughout the season, I'm sure, but they'll work around it. Yeah, I think. Although it's... I'm not sure, um, uh, Aston Martin are very happy. I don't know if you remember. I think they went to Otmar Safanauer like three times during the Bahrain race, and every time he mentioned Rake at least like three times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll they'll not stop complaining all year. But and it, it does beg the question, doesn't it? And obviously, I know this was sort of the whole big thing last year, and people going, "Oh, well, they copied the Merc," and I always thought they were right to say, "Well, it's pointless copying someone if you don't know how it works." Mm. But now it really draws into question just how well they actually knew how it worked. I don't think they know how it works at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> now you're sort of really wondering how much how much stuff might have been passed under the table uh, between the two of them. But yeah, it, yeah. Again, I think this is going to be tough for Aston Martin. Obviously, we'll talk a bit more about that uh, down the road as well. Obviously, we've got we've got a lot of ideas for other podcasts that we're going to go through. Obviously, as the season unfolds. So obviously, if you are new, make sure you do get yourself subscribed as well. Of course, cheeky plug uh, right there. But quickly then. Uh, to finish us off, looking towards Imola uh, this weekend, obviously quite an interesting, again, we said sorry, quite an interesting race over the course of last year. Certainly a lot of things to look at uh, and talk about, obviously, from last season. We're going to jump in first of all with qualifying. Last year, Valtteri Bottas got pole. Jamie, are you going to see that happening again? I completely forgot he got pole. I, saw it, I thought it was Hamilton, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, no. no. <laughs> I think the Red Bull will be strong around here. Um 
it wouldn't surprise me if it's a record one two to be honest oh that is a cool I'll, I'll hang on to my predictions for a little bit longer but I certainly don't see Bottas on pole no no I think to be fair as well going back to the rate thing quickly it, this car is not going to be fun for Bottas at all no he seems to I, hate it about we right. saw how much he struggled at Turkey last year and basically that's what this car is just in a nutshell now <laughs> I just obviously a lot more slippery and things like that so Bottas is going to have a lot of fun this year and Genuinely, it makes me wonder whether that is going to give Rebel a big opportunity to potentially look at constructors, because I think, obviously, talking about Perez for a second, I think it came out a couple of days ago, actually, that uh, in clear air, he was actually as quick as Verstappen. Mm. Helmut, Mar- cool. Helmut Marko, of all people, confirmed that, wow. which is mad in itself. He confirmed something against Max Verstappen. I know, it's, it's kind of worrying, isn't it? You wonder what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, I think, like you said, though, this track is probably going to be Red Bull heavy. It's High aero at the end of the day. And I mean, Max Verstappen Verstappen last year was only, what, half second off pole and then was even quicker in the race. Mm. I think it's... I'm not going to be surprised if it's a Max Verstappen win this weekend. But again, we said that about Bahrain last time. (laughs) If Max gets a bad start, Hamilton gets past him into T1, that could be it, decided. Track position is going to be so important. It always is. Yeah, it's everything. Not even a prediction, a spoiler for this race. Whoever's leading into turn one is going to win. Yeah, and that's, I mean, been the way it's always used to be as well. Other sort of key talking points from last year, Pierre Gasly, P4 on the grid. Yeah. He had obviously had a really good qualifying at Bahrain. Are we expecting to see a repeat of that, or are we expecting Hopefully. to see something a bit different? Hopefully for you, yeah. And now, <laughs> I, take your take your bias hat off. <laughs> I, I, I expect him to do well. I think Alphatari was very strong at Bahrain, probably deserved a few more points than he actually got. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sonoda got good points. Sonoda got ninth, I think. Yes, and Gasly, yeah. they probably should have been somewhere with the McLarens and Ferraris, but I expect. Well, last year the AlphaTauri qualified fourth and then also finished fourth with Kvyat. Um, Gasly retired quite early on, although he might he might have got a podium that race. Um, and yeah, the car last year was nowhere near as good as it is this year. So, are they going to mix it with the Mercedes? I don't want to push it too far. <laughs> no, no, they are not. <laughs> well, you look at the gaps. I think who qualified fourth in Bahrain was it Norris. Uh yes no Whoever Ricardo was, Ricardo it no, wasn't it was, Ricardo no it was Charles Leclerc oh, it was Leclerc yeah he was yeah. half a tenth half a tenth off Bottas so could be close that's my I, I'm gonna go for it you're saying Alpha Tauri are gonna be with Mercedes qualifying will be Verstappen Perez Gasly there you go you are a lunatic <laughs> yeah I he's, he's definitely you just getting said the turbo to the internet Jamie. <laughs> Well, no one's watching this far anyway. Oh, dearie me. (laughs) Uh, Well, there we go. I think, yeah, I don't even know what to say in response to that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Alfari were were good last year. uh, Fourth and eighth on the grid. Obviously got fourth in the race as well. Uh, McLaren struggled a bit more last year around here. But again, sort of they got a bit quiet to this stage of the year. So I reckon McLaren are going to be good this weekend. Uh, Ferrari probably, I think, are going to struggle slightly more than last time. eh? Not sure. I, Again, I think their car yeah. seems quite well balanced, but just quite, it's not like top Jack level anyway. Jack master of none yeah. sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, Racing Point had a bit of a mare last year, so maybe they're going to be back with Alpine. Yeah, I I'm expect that most of the races. I think they're going to struggle quite a lot. Yeah. Um, um, Alpha male? Alpha, I like Alpha. Um, they had I like, I like last year, 18th and 20th on the grid. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were slower than Haas. 
That's surprising. And Williams yeah. as well. Uh, Williams are actually quite good, weren't they? Russell should have got points, but then Bindi is a bottle job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, Alpha were very impressive, I thought, in Bahrain. I think Kimi was only a couple of seconds off points. Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to get points. One of them's getting points this weekend. We'll throw that out there. You're, you're saying Alpha Romeo are getting points this weekend? Yeah. Fair enough. So, so we've got a Red Bull 1 2 with Gasly P3 on the grid. <laughs> Race prediction then? Are we still saying the same as last time? Who did you go? Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez? I'll go Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez race. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I am going to shake it up and I'm going to gamble it and say Hamilton, Verstappen, Perez. Fanboy. Yeah, what can I say? No, I reckon he's going to get him into T1 and that'll be it and Verstappen will be sad. Um, yeah, I'll to, be to sad as lightly. well. Yeah, I'm sure you will. And that'll make me happy. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be interesting once again. Obviously, the Italian Grand Prix this weekend starts at 1pm UK time or 2 I have no idea. I think it's 2pm UK time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it'll be 2. We don't have any Formula 2, do we, I don't think? No. Um, let me have a quick look at the... There might be F3. Let me, have a, let me have a broad... I'm going to have a look at the broadcast full schedule. Uh, there is no F3. There There's is not nothing F2. else. You know, you got Formula Regional Alpine, and that is it. So if Great. that's probably not going to be on TV. Uh, I so... also wouldn't watch it anyway. <laughs> no, that's fair. Ah, no, Formula Alpine's all right. I'll, I'll give them credit where it's due. Uh, 63 laps ahead of us, though. Uh, yeah, 3 p.m. local time, so 2 p.m. UK time, uh, 2 p.m. British summer time, even. Now, mm. I should say, that was a nightmare at Bahrain, wasn't it? Trying to work out <laughs> how much... The clocks are just so difficult. It's a um, concept of our imagination time. Exactly, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a man-made concept. But yeah, uh, there we go then. Thank you all so much for watching this video. Jamie, anything else to add quickly before I cut off? Uh, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> at Jamie underscore 183. Don't. I, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, we will see you guys uh, in the next one. Hopefully, obviously, we'll be back uh, next week ready with our sort of Italian or Imola, uh, Emilia Romagna Grand Prix <laughs> review as well. But yeah, thank you all so much for watching. Yeah, we will be back very, very soon with another video.